Chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of the darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is an amazing text, and I want us to think about it for a second, because you and I sit here this day, and we celebrating Easter. Okay? Uh, got my eggs, I got my jelly beans, some Hoping that the chocolate rabbit doesn't melt before this guy gets done talking. You know, I've got this thing all figured out. All right. The only thing I have to complain about Easter is why couldn't it be on a Monday and make it a Monday holiday? I look across. You know what? I was up up at Harley Davidson and Parker on Friday getting a case of oil filters. So I walk in there, get, I have already placed my order. I go in there and I said, I want to pick up my oil filters. He said, all right, and all the rest of it. So I write him a check for my oil filters. I give him the check. And he looks at me and says, Happy Easter. Uh, what? <laughs> Who said that and why? And, and I, I heard it a couple of times this week when I was going to grocery stores or different running. Happy Easter. And I kept thinking, do you really know what you're saying? Now, I didn't blurt that out, not to a biker in a, you know, hey, dude, right on, <laughs> you know. Is that Orthodox Easter or, never mind. And one of the things that I've noticed is that even in the church, you know, this morning they, they had the thing up at, uh, where is it, Red Rocks? And everybody goes up and freezes their butt off to, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm just a pagan. I have never done that. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to. Okay, if Jesus needs me to get up before sunrise to see his second coming, we are all in trouble. Okay, I, I'm just not going to do it. I, you know, and don't get me wrong. I believe that this day is the single most important for any Christian ever. Because if he don't come out of the tomb, he's just another dead man. All right. And he ain't there. I've been to his tomb. And I've seen that country. And anything that had any religious significance whatsoever, they built a church. And they got a church of the Holy Sepulchre. Okay, it has an odd altar. But anyway, um, but, but you, you go to these places. They have taken a saw and cut the stone where the body laid. And they pulled it out and they laid it out 
so that everybody can get to it. And it's surrounded by incense burners and candles and people line up to kiss it. Really? I didn't do that either. You know how many mouths have been on that thing? No, I, you know, the resurrection of Christ means more to me than I can think of anything. But I think what happens to you and I, we celebrate this thing and we go, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then Monday comes and you got the sugar downs because you eat all that candy. Your kids are still bouncing around off the jelly beans and you just want to kill something. All right. There's a pastor in town today who's not going to have church service. He's going to parachute. Is that reverse resurrection? I don't know what that is, but he's going to do it. I got a a thing he sent me in the mail. And I was like, maybe I'll cancel and go see this. But but you see what I'm trying to get at? What is the resurrection? What is it? Well, he got out of the grave. But what does it mean? And I want to let you look at that in the face of Christ by the life of Paul. Okay, this is going to be quick, so you're going to have to listen fast. Okay, now if you get done before me, raise your hand. But uh, when I think about our lives, and I look at this room right now, you know, I, my brother from Burma, his wife and daughter, some of you are retired, some of you want to be. Um, some of you are looking for jobs. Some of you have heartache in this year. And some of you have gone through some tremendous pains and trials and tribulations. Some of you are dealing with depression. Some of you are dealing with uh, just life in general. And it just is driving you nuts. It just is a burden. Life is a pain. And I don't care who you are. You're dealing, every one of you in this room are dealing with something. It may seem monumental to you right now. But I'm going to let you have a gander at the Paul. What about Paul? Paul was called by God. Paul's cruising down the Damascus Road and Jesus makes a personal appearance to Paul. Paul goes to seminary in the Arabian desert and is taught by none other than Jesus Christ himself for three years. Now, there's a degree. All right. But Paul, by his conversion, ends up being a person without a people. The Jews hate him. He's a traitor. The church don't trust him. He was there for the stoning of Stephen. He has to go to the Gentiles. That'd be you and me. And God says, that's where I want you to go. You will be my apostle to the Gentiles. And and if you read the Apostle Paul, I, I can't think of anybody that I spend more time with than Paul. Okay? I am with him daily. Every day I spend time with Paul. All right. And when I look at Paul, one of the first things that I realize, this guy's got some serious, serious theology. Right. He's second to nobody 
when it comes to theology, the study of God. He's got that down. He's got that down. But you know what else Paul had? As great as his theology was, what is his experience? This church has spent years and years and years and years looking at theology. And some of you take that theology to every experience that you endure, and it is powerful. Some of you don't. Some of you have the theology, but when the trial comes, you try to solve it. I remember several years ago, some young people were in our church. You know what I mean by young. Um, Out of high school, not finished with college, or just finishing up college. So, what, 18 to 26, 27, like that. And, And they contacted me and they said, we need to sit and talk to you. We need to have a discussion with you. And I said, all right, yeah, sure, no problem. I'm in. And so they, they got this little group together and they wanted to have a discussion with me. And they said, you know, we know we believe you're a powerful preacher. But what you're giving us has no basis in reality. Really? And the reason was over here, they had the theology. But when something happens... They would rely on their own philosophies, their own understanding, their own education, their own means to get it done. Instead of the theology. But you know what? I serve a God who has a sense of humor. Because there's times I'm going to make it so difficult for you. You ain't got no philosophy. You ain't got no fix for this. Now what are you going to do? I'm supposed to go in for a biopsy on my liver. I spoke of this this morning in my Sunday school class. And I said, let me ask you a question. How do you pray for that? And of course, the great Christian says, God's will be done. Really, what if it's your liver? How do you pray for that? Well, here's how I pray for it. Let me walk as Paul walked. Okay, that's it. Let me walk as Paul walked. I want to go backwards to the book of 2 Corinthians. And I want to show you some things about the Apostle Paul that I think some of us forget. Chapter 11, verse 23 through 28. Okay, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys. And dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren, 
And I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all of the churches. Now, I started with Castle Rock Baptist Church when we started this book a couple of years ago. And I said, 2 Corinthians dealing with ministry. Anybody want to sign up for that one? Did you read it? That's, I don't care. If I'd have read that, I said, can I get my salvation back? I mean, I let me go be a pagan. But you ever thought about that? That's what Paul is, he, he's telling you, listen. And basically, that's almost a summary. And you know what is amazing? Paul was never a person to complain. He was getting ready to have his head cut off in the Mamertine prison, 2 Timothy. He tells Timothy, bring him his cloak and some the papers so I can read. Wait a minute, Paul, you're in Mamertine prison for preaching the gospel. You're getting ready to be executed and you want a coat and something to read? Yeah, Paul didn't complain. And yet he lays this out for this church because they have missed the mark. Why? This church has theology. But when the experiences come, they didn't put their faith in the theology. Chapter 11, verse 3. I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by craftiness, your minds have been led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Uh, I like that word simplicity. That'd be like simple. I like simple. <laughs> Why? One of the greatest heartaches I've ever experienced as a pastor is to watch people defect from the simplicity of the gospel and go to the ways of the world or their own understanding. And I cannot think of anything that breaks my heart more than to watch them do that. And you know what? It used, I used to do my best to try to stop them, but what I've learned is you can't stop them. You just let them go and you pray for their souls. You pray for their souls. That's what the Apostle Paul was looking at. Go to chapter 7. <clears throat> verses 5 and 6. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Okay, Macedonia is the underbelly of Europe. Okay, that's where Thessalonica is. That's where Berea is. That's where Philippi is. Okay, that's right there in the underbelly of Europe. It's, it's kind of on the eastern side of what is, you would know as Greece today. Okay, now, do you understand that in Thessalonica, they run him out. They took one of the Christian leaders hostage and said that we will kill Jason if you do not leave this town and quit preaching that. He went to Berea, which is about 50 miles away. And the people from Thessalonica, the Jews from Thessalonica came there and threatened to kill him too. And he had to leave there and go to Athens. Which is, all of this happened after he was arrested in Philippi. Alright, so when you read this, have that in your mind. Because it's kind of amazing. He says, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Duh. <laughs> they threw me in jail in Philippi. They're threatening to kill me in Thessalonica. Everywhere I go, they chase me. I'm going down to Athens and look at the pagans. 
Verse 5, for even... We had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts without, fears within. But God who comforts the... This translation says the depressed. The depressed. Literally, it means the humbled. The humbled. I've been humbled. I've been depressed. God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. You know what had happened? They'd been in Ephesus preaching. And guess what? Very powerful. Church birthed. It grew numerically. But you know what the major industry in Ephesus was? Making idols. Now you got people turning from idols. They're going to Christ. And all these guys are losing money. Alexander the coppersmith. And he started a riot. And everybody scattered and he had no idea where any of his brother's laborers were. And then he runs into Titus and he was comforted. You got things going on out in your lives? Trying to make, got more bills than you got income? But, but you, do you see that? You got things going on? Well, you just don't understand, preacher. You're not in reality. Oh, yeah, I am. Don't you ever kid yourself. Don't you ever kid yourself. That's kind of tough right there. I mean, I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do. And look what's going on. Most of us, we get into trouble because we're not doing what Jesus wants us to do. And then we ask him, help me. Chapter 6. Verses 4 through 8. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance, in affliction, in hardship, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, and in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, and in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. The word of truth and the power of God by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true. Read on. As unknown, yet well known. As dying, yet behold, we live. As punished, yet not put to death. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. And having nothing, yet possessing all things. That's tough stuff right there, people. That is tough stuff right there. If you drop that down, well, let's, let's go on over. Chapter 4, verses 8 to 12. We are afflicted in every way. We are not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we live constantly... For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Do you understand that? The suffering of this age can't compare to the glory to come. We like to share that with people who are suffering that ain't us. Ain't that true? 
And yet, when I look at the empty tomb, I say, He overcame death, and I have what problem? And no rest, no rest. Chapter 2, verse 13. I had no rest in my spirit, not finding Titus, my brother, but making my leave for them. I went on to Macedonia, and Macedonia is where he ran back into Titus again. No rest in your spirit. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? No rest in your spirit. I remember a stretch of my ministry when God would wake me up every hour on the hour. I kept asking, what's up with this? You know, well, pray. Well, you're up. You pray. I know none of you have ever talked to God that way. But have you ever thought about it? You ever thought about the heartaches that you and I go through? Well, you don't live in reality, pastor. Really? What do you think? I just have a time machine and I just check out and then on Sunday I check back in. But you don't understand. Really? My son's getting ready to go to Afghanistan. I don't understand. Yeah, I do. I understand. My wife's youngest sister was murdered. Yeah, I understand. I understand greatly. One of my closest friends that I've ever had in my entire life stepped into glory and left me here. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Chicken. (laughs) Didn't want to stay. You have not rest in your spirit. Chapter 2, verse 4. Much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears. Have you ever cried over saints? Have you ever cried over the church? Church break your heart. Let me tell you something. Before I got saved, I was one nasty individual. Extremely, uh, what would you call it? Mean-spirited. I took great pride in it. And yet, in that lifestyle, I never had as much heartache as I've had as a Christian. And there's times that I get so much heartache, I can't bear it. And I shake my head and say, I don't get this. And you know what? He never intended me to. He says, you are but my Bondservant. You are but my slave. Well, I'm not a slave. I'm an American. Okay, you're an American slave. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of... Of what? Well, which comforts would that be? Really? Which ones? All. All comforts. Anybody here uncomfortable? Yeah, I'm not raising my hand. (laughs) I just read it. 
But there's going to come a time where you're going to have this stuck in your brain because you had to listen to me today and you're going to say, where am I getting my comfort from? Most of us will take our comfort from our spouses, our jobs, our livelihood, our expense accounts, or our children. And you won't be comforted from any of them. Sorry. Because there's only one God of comfort. And you didn't marry him. (laughs) They may think you did, but (laughs) they're not. Verse 5, chapter 1. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. Have you ever thought about the sufferings of Christ? Anybody? Think about it. Did you ever think about the sufferings of Christ? You know one of the greatest sufferings that I think that we miss all the time? And we think about the, the scourgings and the, the crown of thorns on his head. It spikes through the brachial nerve on each wrist and through the arch. Oh, that there's some suffering. You know what I think his greatest suffering is? He knew the heart of every man, woman, and child that he ever came across. Tell me that wouldn't cause you some suffering. How would you like to know the hearts of the person sitting next to you? See, I don't have nobody by me. (laughs) You guys are in trouble. How would you like to have that? And then have it in holy perfection. Verse 6. We are afflicted. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective and patient enduring of the same sufferings that we also suffer. And he's bringing that all out of the basis of what? The God of all Comfort, chapter 1, verse 8 says, We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our afflictions which were with us in Asia. We were burdened excessively. Okay, now, you say you are burdened excessively. I bet everybody in here has got something right now that if you sit back and thought about it, it's kind of weighing on you. It's kind of a drag. <laughs> Some of you are, I ain't admitting to nothing. Right? You know, the wives are all looking at the husband and the husbands are all looking at the wives. <laughs> I see how that works. Yeah, there's my cross. Um <laughs> but have you been burdened excessively beyond your strength so that we despair even of life have you ever heard this statement I just don't know how I can go on that's where Paul was Verse 9, indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would, what? You're not going to trust in yourselves. I have a series of verses that over my years that I've memorized that when things start going south on me, I Remember, call that one to men. I remember. Oh, wait a minute. There was a time I was visiting some people in uh, jail. And when, if you go in as a pastor, you get this thing they call it. What do they call it? Professional privileges. And I don't know why visiting a jail would be classified as a privilege, but it's a professional privilege. Okay. 
So, but when you go in this place, you have to leave all your stuff up in the locker and the sheriff smiles at you. And then you go in this elevator and you go someplace. Yeah, you got no windows anymore. And you start going through these doors and you walk up to the door. They don't open. And all of a sudden it buzzes and it opens and you walk through it and it shuts behind and it goes, boom. You're like, oh, poo. And then you just keep walking to the next door that buzzes and you open it and poof. And you're like, oh, this is getting worse as it goes on. Okay. And when I get into those kind of places, I have a thing called jellophobia. Okay, it's, it's it's from my past. Okay, it's just it, it's just things that certain things cause me to break out in sweats. Electric locking doors is one of them. Okay, so I, I'm cruising down these halls, and as I cruise down these halls, I start pulling verses, pulling verses. This verse here bring comfort to it. It's not working. Keep coming, keep coming. I have one last verse. My last verse is sort of like my your end of the rope, the knot verse is Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's the key. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make the electric doors open again. <laughs> but there's a progression of verses that I can just pull up. And they just... And then the last one is, this is the end of the rope. And trust not on my own understanding. And why have you got me in here? And it happens in other places. I do that when I go to see people in the hospital, too. Hospitals is another place. That okay? Every time I go there, it's sick people. Craziest place I've ever been. But I want you to focus on this now. We would not trust in ourselves, but in God who does what? You know what is not in there? Easter bunnies, jelly beans, little cool little baskets. You know what? There's not even an Easter bonnet. I just gave you a quick summary of the Apostle Paul's life and the heartache and pain that he has gone through. And yet his whole time, he was focused on the face of Jesus the whole time. Too many of you in this room right now, when that hits you, the trial hits you, what do you look at? Behold is in a mirror with unveiled face. Who? Who? Who are you seeing? Are you focusing on Christ? Or are you focusing on poor pitiful me? Really, whatever you're going through right now, there has been people who have gone through twice as much. Okay, there's some that haven't. Some of the things that you're going through is to strengthen the people who will follow you so that they can go through it. And yet, if you don't take your theology and make it heart theology, uh, a dear precious friend of mine who is in glory. What is up with all my friends going to glory? Anyway, um, in glory, he used to use this statement, speaking of theology. You need to flesh it out. You've got to see it. It needs to be the fabric. You know, they had to write a book on thinking biblically. You know, and everybody said, that's a really great book. Why do we need to write that? I don't understand why we write that. But, you know, sometimes if I'm going to jump out of an airplane, I probably better think biblically. Because God raises the dead, people. You're celebrating Easter today because death has been broken. 
It has no dominion over me. I am not afraid of it. It isn't something to you. Ha, 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 you're going to end up with... Really? Death for a Christian is a reward. You can sit there today. You may be younger. You may be older. Say, well, but I haven't been to the Bahamas yet. I have. It's overrated. And everybody drives on the wrong side of the road. Dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Here we are. Listen, Paul says it is the simplicity of the gospel. Okay? And you know what I have seen us do as mankind? We complicate the simplest things. You don't think so? Why have we got little quarterly bulbs now? Well, incandescent uses too much energy. But what are we going to do with all the mercury? We'll worry about that later. All right. I'd rather use more energy. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? We complicate anything. And if the church is not immune to this, what is the church in Corinth was doing? They were complicating ministry. Look at what we do. You know what ministry is? Reconciling people to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. That ain't hard. As Pastor Paul put it out, that's simple. No, that's me. Why? Because God knew I couldn't handle complicated. You look around and you will see nothing but complications that man has done. How can just faith in Christ do this? Easy. Now, this is as simple as it gets right here, people. You who are here today, some of you will say, I have faith in Christ. All right. Some of you, some of you say, I was drug. You know, I was waiting for the ball game. I didn't realize it was afternoon. Okay. But if you say you have faith in Christ, I'm going to ask you one question. You say you have faith in Christ. I'll ask you the opposite side of that question. Do you have devotion to Christ? Because whatever you put your faith in, you will be devoted to. And the two are inseparable. And let me tell you something. It only takes me about 10 minutes to tell what a person has put their faith in. Well, as soon as I know that, then I know what they are devoted to. Now then, if you answered yes to both of those, this is where the pastor really gets it. You say you have faith in Christ. You say you are devoted to Christ. I say, do you attend church? Because that is the manifestation of Christ, the body of Christ. And your devotion to the body of Christ is a representation of your devotion to the head, which is Christ. It's simple. And you know what? Those young people that I met with that said I'm not in reality, they mocked my simplicity. They say it's more complicated than that. But it was mocked in the time of Paul. It is mocked today. It will be mocked until the church is taken to glory. 
If you are struggling with something today, I will tell you to look into the face of Jesus. Verse 18. We. It doesn't say we pastors. It says we all behold in a mirror. Where's the perfect mirror image of Christ? Scripture. I'll close with this thought. I gave it to you guys last week and I'll give it to the visitors today. I had a dear friend of mine who made a statement one time. He says, you show me somebody with a worn out Bible. I'll show you somebody who is not. It all starts and ends in the face of Jesus Christ. So many say that they have faith and yet they do not trust his word. Why? It's easy. How much you read it? How much is beyond us? I, I, you ever had it? I just can't get a grip on it. How do I solve this? So much keeps coming our way. And yet the glory of the new covenant ministry is I have victory. It's simplicity and the devotion to Christ. And that is what my faith is in. It's that simple. You say you have faith. I'll ask you if you have devotion. And you know what? Your life will tell me really quick what your devotion is. That's spot it. You can spot that easy. Absolutely easy. Brothers and sisters, that's the resurrection. That's why you're celebrating this day. Why? I now have my faith in an empty tomb. He ain't there. That means God says that sacrifice is absolutely perfect. And all who would believe will be Devoted unto the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Brothers and sisters, that's resurrection. Let's pray. Father, help us to see you. Father, put a burning that cannot be quenched this side of glory for your word. For in the beginning was your, the word. The word was with you and the word was you. Father, help us as children of the most high God. Stand in the glory of the resurrection. You overcame the one thing man has never been able to overcome. Our faith is in that. Father, let our devotion be the same. To your praise and glory. Amen.